Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Do you ever show up at church and say, God, please do something that's not on the program? Yeah. And uh, that's where we've been all morning. What a great testimony by Pat about how the Lord had touched her and and then everybody that stood up uh, in the house to say victory in Jesus. And Revival Railroad. I'll get on that railroad any day of the week. I'm telling you. I want to get on that train. Whoo! Goodness. Well, I want to preach, but I'm just not quite ready. Uh, I'd like for the men in the house who would like to join me. We're going to bow down before the Lord. Come and join me at this altar. Hallelujah. Something about men bowing down before God. Men of God. Hallelujah. 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 Just come on in. Find your place. Amen. Here. Just come on around this way if you can. Yeah, that's fine, wherever. It really doesn't matter. We're just going to get down before the Lord. No, I ain't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Men, begin to lift your voices to the Lord. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for uh, the songs we've heard. Thank you that you're the good, good Father. Uh, it's who you are, that you have good plans for us. Thank you for amazing grace that saved a wretch like us, Lord. Uh, thank you for, for what our ears have heard. Thank you for the great songs of the faith. Thank you for testimonies uh, like Pat and Linda and others have given in the house this morning. Uh, and Daryl talking about all those radiation treatments. And you're still God. You're still God above and beyond everything this world throws at us. And we find our comfort, our hope, and our help in you. And Father, we bow down before you. Uh, we, we humble ourselves in your holy presence. We ask, Father, that you would open up the heavens, even at this moment, that your word will find lodging in our hearts, that you will burn the truth, brand it upon our hearts, as it were. And, Father, that we will walk it out and flesh it out, that we will be walking, living, breathing, talking uh, servants of the Most High God. Lord, we love you today. And one final prayer we ask while we're on our knees, Lord. If there is so much as one person in this house who does not know Jesus, if there's one person here today who would miss heaven uh, if they died before this day is done, and Father, we pray that salvation will visit River of Life today. We pray that your holy power will rest upon this place. Conviction will be strong. We pray it will be impossible for somebody to leave who's lost without being saved first. Lord, do your mighty work in the house, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. When you get back to your seats, open your Bibles to the book of James. To the book of James. And we are in a study. We had a, a, a brief interruption there. Um, it was a glorious interruption, but we had an interruption there. Um, uh, but now we're back. We're in a study of the book of James. It is one of the most practical books uh, in the Bible. And one of the reasons that I love James, and if you don't already love it, I, I know you will by the time we finish this study, is James gets right to the point. In the book of James, he tells us exactly what to do and exactly what not to do. And, and by the way, this is just the third message uh, in our study of James, so I can catch you up quickly. The first message was entitled, The Battle's Not Over. How many of you know the battle's not over? Now let me say it this way, and I want you to say an amen if you agree with me. The victory has been won, but the battle's not over. You see, we have many battles to fight in our lives. All of us as Christians, there are battles to fight. And don't you think for a moment because you're fighting a battle, you've not been redeemed. That the bat, we have many battles to fight. The victory has been won in our Lord Jesus Christ. When He went to the cross and shed His blood on Calvary's cross, He paid the price for our redemption. He won the victory. And the moment you put your faith in His work on Calvary, you won the victory. And we are already victorious. But we still have many battles to fight. The Apostle Paul said it this way, we shall through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so as we began our study in the book of James, the first teaching, the first directive that we found was this. When we are facing these battles, we are to name them. We're to call them what? You remember? Count it all what? Joy, that's right. When you're facing the battles, you count it joy. You call it joy. You name it joy. I guarantee you just about everybody in this house right now is in some kind of battle in your life. Call it joy. Now the reason we can call it joy is because we understand, as the Bible teaches, that in everything and for everything we are to give thanks. And the reason that we can count it joy and give thanks in everything and for everything is because we are children of the Most High God and we know our God is in control and we know that there's nothing He can't handle. Did you notice the way Pat worked that into her testimony? There's nothing God can't handle. And even when the enemy is throwing evil things at you and even though the storm rages, here's what you know in your life as a child of God, if you know the Word of God, you know that no matter what the enemy is throwing your way, God can and will use it for your good and for His glory. That's what the Bible teaches us. In the book of Romans, we find this statement. All things, say it with me, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. The Bible's pretty clear about that. So even when you and I are going through suffering and hardship and trials and tribulation, we count it joy. We know God's up to something good. So I encourage you, that was the first message. If you have something going on in your life right now and it's hard and difficult and, and even if there's turmoil and it seems to be evil, call it joy. Put your eyes on God. 
and follow the Lord through it. You'll be amazed at what will happen. The second message I preached was this. You need help. Of course, you knew that already, didn't you? Now, now listen, if your future is destined to be filled with adversities and hardships on every hand, everywhere you turn, you're going to run into difficulties. If that's your destiny, if that's my destiny, if that's what the Bible teaches, and it is, that just makes sense. We need help, don't we? And, and what James teaches us in these first few verses is that when we fall into diverse temptations and trials and tribulations, not only to count it all joy, but he tells us that we need help and to ask of God. All you have to do is ask God. You see, if we want to navigate the storms, the trials and the tribulations of life victoriously, then James says, you need help. And that help is as close as a whispered prayer. All you have to do is just ask God. No exaggeration. James says, let him ask of God. And he says, if you'll just simply ask God as a child of God, not only will he answer and give you wisdom and give you direction and give you understanding, but he will give it to you liberally. He'll pour it out on you. He'll, he, he will give it to you in abundance. Listen, one of the most powerful prayers you'll ever pray in your life will sound something like this. Lord, I'm up against something. And I don't have a clue what to do. And so, God, I'm asking you for your guidance. I'm asking you for your wisdom. I'm asking for the wisdom of God. And when you give me that wisdom, I will walk in that wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. Friends, that's one of the most powerful prayers you'll ever pray. But hold on, I have to give you a caution. Because James gives us the caution. We'll get to our scripture in just a moment. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten. James gives us a caution. This is, this is what he says. He says, but if you ask God for wisdom, you have to be steadfast. You have to be steadfast. That means you, you, you can't be wishy-washy. You can't be hot and cold. You can't be up and down. You can't be in and out. You have to be steadfast. My whole ministry, one of the most puzzling things of my ministry is the number of people I see that are coming in and going out, coming in and going out. I know, I've known people my whole life. They'll come into the church. They'll stay in the church for a little while. Man, you, you, they'll be at the altar. They'll be singing. They'll be praising. They'll be lifting their hands. They, I mean, it'll be, it'll be fruit basket turnover. And then three months later, they're right back out in the world, right back out in their old lifestyle. And then something will happen six or eight months later, and guess what? They'll come right back into the church. And you'll think, man, this time they got it. And then three or four months later, they're right back out in the world. They come in and they go out. They're hot. They're cold. They're on. They're off. Now, I, I, by the way, that reminds me of a... Of Funny little story, I've told my entire ministry about a church. You know, in, in the old days, they used to have revival once a year, at least once a year. Couldn't be a church if you didn't have a revival once a year. So they had an, they'd have evangelists come in. There was one guy in the community, every time they had a revival, he showed up. Every time he showed up, he got saved. Um, uh, he rededicated his life. Two weeks later, he was right back out doing the same old thing he was always doing. Next year, he'd get saved again, get filled with the Spirit again. Two weeks later, he'd be right back out in the world. 
And one revival, they had a revival. He shows back up just like he did every year. He runs to the altar when the invitation is given. And he says, oh, Lord, he said, forgive me of my sins and fill me up, Lord. Fill me with your glory. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your presence. And there was an elderly lady kneeling next to him. And she said, don't do it, Lord. He leaks. Well, 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 friends, to be honest, we all leak a little bit, don't we? But I want to stand before you today and to tell you this. If you can't keep a commitment more than two or three weeks or two or three months, be sure of this, God will not pour His wisdom out on you. He will not do it. James says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. God doesn't want to pour His wisdom out on somebody who will throw it away in three weeks or three months. You see, God wants to give His wisdom to somebody who's steadfast. And when they receive the wisdom of God, they walk in that wisdom and they stay in that wisdom and they never look back. They just stay the course. Friends, can I tell you that I believe this is one of the most needed sermons of our generation. There's ever been a day and a time when we needed to hear this kind of preaching. It's now. And, and it's time to make up your mind. One way or the other. Make up your mind. Decide who you will follow. Make up your mind. Joshua in the Old Testament said it this way. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Will you serve the God of our fathers who made the heavens and the earth, or will you serve the gods of this world? Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And you know how Joshua responded to his own question, don't you? He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made up his mind. By the way, the prophet Elijah said the same thing to his generation. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then serve Him. But if the world be your God, if Baal be your God, then serve Baal. Don't get caught in between. The great Charles Haddon Spurgeon used to preach to his congregation something like this. He, he would say to them, if you're going to serve the Lord, come in and serve Him. Come into the faith. Come into His service. And when you come in, stay in and serve Him with all of your heart. And then Charles Haddon Spurgeon would say, but if you're going to serve the gods of this world, then go do it. Go do it. And don't make any pretense of religion. Do it with all of your heart. Either get in or get out. Make Him the God of your life or get Him out of your life. One way or the other, but don't get caught in between. Because there's danger in between. You see what the book of James says. You go back and read it for yourself. Here's what James says. James says, God will not pour His wisdom out on a man who can't make up his mind. The Bible calls it a double-minded man. He won't give His wisdom to a double-minded man. You see, friends, if you want the wisdom of God... Because you're going to fight battles over and over and over, and you need the wisdom of God. But if you want the wisdom of God, you've got to turn loose of the world with both hands. 
And you've got to come to that place in your life where you say good or bad, sink or swim, live or die, come hell or high water, I will serve the Lord and I'll serve Him to my last breath and I won't look back and I won't back up and I will serve you, Lord. And friends, when you come to that point in your life, you whisper a prayer. And He says He will pour His wisdom out upon you abundantly. He'll give you the wisdom of God. God will give you more stuff than you think you can handle when you decide that you're going to walk this walk and live this way. And, and so, well, shoot, I almost preached my first two messages there. That was, that was, I haven't even gotten to today's message yet. All right. Hallelujah. Now, today's message really is a short and sweet <laughs> I think. (laughs) And we're in James 1. I'll read verse 9 and 10. The title of the message today is Boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. And and we'll tie this together. The battle's not over. You need help. Boast in the Lord. That's kind of step three. And, And the scripture says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as the flower of the field, he passes away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, let's just look at that. Let the lowly brother, and if you look that up, he's talking about the poor, the depressed, the deprived brother. Let the lowly brother... That's verse 9 and verse 10. He talks about the rich brother. The word brother is used in verse 9, and it's not used in verse 10, but it is certainly indicated here. It's talking about the poor Christian, the Christian who is wealthy or rich and has the things over. Now, there's a lot of things the Bible says, and we'll be looking at some of these before we finish the book of James, about those who are rich but not in Christ. But in this context, he's talking about the poor brother and the wealthy brother in Christ. And then he says, let the lowly brother glory. I've studied that word now for about three weeks. It it means boast. It means to boast about something, to glory, to rejoice, to celebrate, to testify. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, but the rich, let him boast in his humiliation. And then it explains why, that you can't depend on riches. They're all going to perish anyway. But this is one of those paradoxical passages of Scripture that would make no sense apart from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Those who have never met Jesus Christ in salvation could never in a million years understand this passage of Scripture. Just listen again. If you're poor, rejoice in your exaltation. If you're rich, rejoice in your humiliation. If you're poor, rejoice because you've been made rich. If you are rich, rejoice because you've been made poor. Now that just makes absolutely no sense. On a worldly level, does it? But this is not about the world. This is talking to brothers in Christ. You see what James is saying here is salvation brings the poor and lowly up to a point of salvation. And salvation brings the rich and exalted 
down to a place of salvation, and both are brought to a place of equality in boasting and rejoicing in the Lord. To put it in the simplest of terms, you know what James is doing? James is giving instructions to the poor and the rich on the subject of boasting. If, if he were the teacher standing here, he'd say, I want to teach you about boasting today. I want to teach you about how to boast and what to boast in. Now, you may think all boasting is bad, but it is not, because the Bible talks about a certain type of boasting. What John is doing, I mean, James is doing, is he's giving instructions here. He's, he's telling the rich man how to give his testimony, how to boast. He's telling the poor man how to give his testimony, how to boast. He, he's saying something like this. The rich man is to boast about how poor he really was before he met Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the poor man is to boast about how rich he has become since he's met Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You see, the rich man is not to boast in his riches, and the poor man is not to boast in his poverty. They are both instructed to boast in what God has done for them. That's, that's the point. And, and so that you'll understand that all boasting is not bad. 1 Corinthians one thirty one says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You want to do some boasting today? By the way, didn't you love the fact that when we heard the testimonies of Revival Railroad here this morning, they were all boasting in the Lord? You know, just listen to people give their testimonies. That'll tell you something about where their hearts are. You boast in the Lord. Regardless of who you are, make your boast, make your testimony Christ-centered. Now, I suppose that there are many different ways to boast. But one way is to give a testimony. Today, Mr. Rich Man and Mr. Poor Man will both share their testimonies. First of all, Mr. Rich Man. I want to thank God this morning and rejoice because the riches of this world, the riches that I have accumulated, didn't keep me from seeing how poor I really was without Christ. My eyes were open to my poverty. The Holy Spirit showed me how poor, how lost, how desperate, how sinful I really was. And that put me on my face before God and took me to a place of humiliation and repentance that turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I got saved. I found the true riches of life. I found the pearl of great price, the gem from the glory land. I found life's richest treasure. Today I do not rejoice because of any worldly possessions or wealth. Today I rejoice in my humiliation because it was there I found Jesus. It was there I became eternally rich in Christ. Money can't buy what I have found. And all the money in the world is no substitute for the joy of the Lord that comes to those who truly humble themselves. By the way, all that I have is now His. And I use it for his glory. I rejoice in my humiliation. Poor man gives his testimony. I want to thank God this morning and rejoice. I've been a poor man my whole life. Poverty is all I've ever known. 
working hard and getting nowhere. I thought good things only happened to rich people. I knew nothing could ever change my life. Then one day, one glorious hallelujah day, in my brokenness and poverty, somebody told me about a Savior. They told me if I would ask Him to forgive me and ask Him to come into my heart, He would. I was told He would bind up my broken heart, that He would turn my sorrows into joy, that He would adopt me and make me a child of His, that something better than worldly riches would be mine. I prayed a humble prayer of repentance and called out to the Lord. Praise God, He heard my prayer. And what I found was better than anything this world has to offer. He took me from my lowly estate. He lifted me up. He gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. He made me to walk in high places. He put a new song in my heart. He's my closest companion. I rejoice today that I've been exalted in Jesus' name higher than I ever dreamed possible. I rejoice in my exaltation, which comes only from the Lord. Yes? You see... You see, that's what James is doing. He's teaching us how to boast. If you're rich, you boast one way. If you're poor, you boast another way. But both of you come to the same place in Christ, where it's Christ-centered. It glorifies Him. That's how you boast. Now, I told you it was a practical book, didn't I? So, if you're poor, your instruction is to boast in your exaltation. And if you're rich, you're instructed to boast in your humiliation. So one of the things we've got to do this morning is we've got to figure out who's rich and who's poor. We, we, we've got to identify. You've got to identify whether you're rich or poor. You, you've got to make that, because it's going to make a difference. Because you'd mess everything up if you can't figure out which side of the equation you're on, Right? You gotta know. You gotta know if you're rich, you gotta know if you're poor. Are you with me? Yes. You hear me? Because you gotta know which one to do. So I try to be a good pastor, and so I decided to figure out. Do the research to figure out if you're rich or you're poor. So maybe this will help. I checked several studies on worldwide wealth and income. And by the way, that's a complicated study because the study has a problem with the difference um, uh, in the value of currencies across national lines. So, so basically, what these studies, and I read about three of these studies, is they take all the currencies of the world and they try to reduce them to the point that they can figure out what they call the purchasing power of the currency is. So that they're comparing the, pur the, the purchasing power of the dollar over against the yen and over against uh, other types of money. And, and so this is what they came up with. That if you live in America and make $34,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on the planet. Take a deep breath now. If you make $34,000 a year, you're, in the, you're a one percenter. I mean, you, you, okay. If you make $25,000 a year, you're in the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. 
the average income worldwide is just under $10,000. So I just rounded it off to $10,000. So if you make $10,000 a year, you have $10,000 worth of purchasing power compared to everybody else in the world. You are not poor. You are just average. I know I've made some of you mad already. But I have to tell you the truth. When we compare ourselves to the rest of the people living on the planet, very few of us, if any of us today, are poor. There are not very many poor people living in America. By the way, the rest of the world looks at us as rich and spoiled. I found a prayer, and I think this is a pretty old prayer, but, it, but it's, a good, it's a good prayer for us to look at. You remember the story in the Bible where Jesus runs into the rich young ruler? You remember that story? And he has this conversation with him, and Jesus tells this rich young ruler what he has to do to have salvation. And, but anyway, I found an old prayer that's about that. I think this will help us. It says, Dear Lord, I've been rereading the record of the rich young ruler. And his obviously wrong choice. But it has set me to thinking. No matter how much wealth he had, he could not ride in a car, have any surgery, turn on a light, buy penicillin, hear a pipe organ, watch TV, wash dishes in running water, type a letter, mow a lawn, fly in an airplane, sleep on an inner spring mattress. I don't know about that one anyway. Or talk on the phone. If he was rich, then what am I? You see, friends, if we compare ourselves to the rest of the world in our salaries, most of us are rich. Most of us are wealthy. If we compare ourselves to the people, all the people who have ever lived in history on this planet, we are filthy rich. We are filthy rich. I'm telling you, there's not one writer in Scripture who lived as good as the poorest person in this house today. Peter, James, John, Paul, go back through. Not one of them lived as good as we live. So, let me ask you again. Which side of the equation are you on? Are you rich or are you poor? Well, i got to tell you, I, I, I think the Lord... I was thinking, what if you're in that 1%? What if you're in that 1% and you're asking God for more? And 99% of the people on the planet have less. And you're asking God for more. I'm, I'm just, just a thought. Someone will make you mad, I might as well go all the way. Now, notice with, notice with me again in verses 9 and 10. It says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Now, it doesn't say let the lowly brother, brother, brother rejoice because he has been exalted, or let the rich brother uh, boast and rejoice because he's been humiliated. It says he's to rejoice in it. It means he's to embrace it. It's to be a part of who he is. Uh, if you're rich, you embrace humility. 
It's to become a part of your life. The rich brother is to celebrate his humiliation. He is to embrace the fact that he has been humbled by the glory of the Lord. And I, I believe we can look at this text and say without a doubt, the more you have, the more humble you should be. And friends, i got to tell you, and I'm going to say we, because I'm in that 1%. I'm in that 1%. We, those of us who are rich, and compared to the rest of the world and all of human history, that includes every last one of us. We who are rich should be the first ones to hit our knees. We should be the first ones to fall on our faces. We should be the first ones to humble ourselves before a holy God. I tell you, one of the things I love about this church, there's a whole lot I love about this church, but you don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to work people up. You don't have to beg people. I can just say men, and by the way, the women will do the same thing. Men, come to the altar. And the men come and bow down. Oh, because he's God. He's God. It's not because somebody's called me to the altar. It's because he's God. And bowing down before him is just what we do. We bow before him. And we boast in the fact that what our hungry hearts needed and desired could not be found in this world. But we found him. We found the truth. And we rejoice in that. Let me close today by just sharing with you a story that you're familiar with. In in the New Testament, there came a time when Jesus sent out 70 of his own disciples. And he said, I want you to go out and minister in my name. And they did. And you remember the story. Those 70, they returned. They came back. And they came back rejoicing. And, and this is what they told Jesus. I mean, they were celebrating. And this is what they said. They said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons. Oh, they, they, were, they were having a hallelujah fruit basket turnover time. I mean, even the demons are subject to us. We went out in your name. We preached in your name. When we used the name of Jesus, Jesus, when we, when, when we use that name, oh, Yeshua HaMashiach, when we use the name, demons were subject to us. They couldn't stand in our presence when we used your name. You know what Jesus said? You're right. I was watching. I saw Satan falling like lightning. By the way, that's pretty fast, isn't it? I saw Satan falling like lightning before you. And then Jesus said to them, Nevertheless, I tell you, do not boast and rejoice in this. Rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. That's what you rejoice about. That's what you boast about because your name's been written down. If you were to walk down this aisle and you were to receive an outpouring of wisdom and power, 
beyond anything this generation has ever seen. If you could lay your hands on people and demons would flee. If you could lay your hands on people and miracles would take place. If you could do all manner of miraculous things, Jesus would tell you the next church you go to, don't you brag about what you did here. You brag about the fact that you were a filthy, undeserving sinner that God had mercy on and He saved you and He wrote your name down in heaven. Rejoice because your name has been written down in heaven. Boast in the Lord? Yeah. That's what you boast in. You boast because whether you were poor or rich, you met Jesus in salvation. He wrote your name down in heaven. Nothing else is really significant. Is it? One last question before I say amen. What was that you were complaining about when you came into church today? Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.